Good morning, it's your Friday night uh, Dungeon Master, Shay Cormack, broadcasting from New Zealand. And uh, it's a Saturday morning, early in the morning uh, over here in New Zealand. And I've just uh, got up after playing a great game of Dungeons and Dragons last night. Uh, I had the real pleasure of one of my players taking over Dungeon Mastering for about three weeks. And uh, that's one of the really great parts about having playing a hex crawl and an open table West Marcher style hex crawl. It's really easy for another dungeon master to step in and uh, take over. And in fact, we journeyed to another area um, of the map, which didn't even exist until he created it. And we continued uh, to have a small adventure, a side adventure. And it's gonna be really easy to bring the players back um, to the normal starting place and keep going from there. So. We just had a really great night last night, it was uh, lots of fun, and um, I want to talk about fun and friendship around the table. But first, uh, I'd like to play my very first call-in um, on the show. Hey Shay, uh, Riley here. I'm a fairly new DM, probably just six months or so, um, and I've been listening to your podcast and it's really really good to see people talking about hex crawls um, in the current year because I've been doing a lot of reading like the Alexandrian, the Welsh Piper and they're all super old from like 2012 or something um, so it's good to see that there's still people talking about it and you've given me some good resources um, that I've adapted slightly um, I'm going to be having my first session of my hex crawl I'm running on uh, like in three days um, so I'm getting prepped for that. I like your gazetteers and your truth tables. Um, so yeah, thanks for all that. Hey, thanks Riley for your calling. Um, it's really exciting to me to know that uh, there are a few people out there listening to this content and uh, taking some of it and using it and adapting it into their games. Uh, when I think about why I did this was because I had information in my brain that I just wanted to upload onto the internet somewhere so that if someone ever had an interest um, in some of the concepts I was talking about this information would be available to, available to them in a little bit more of a current format and from a beginner's uh, perspective and from the perspective of uh, a more modern uh, role-playing game although um, I'm talking about fifth edition there D&D &D, uh, but also with that old-school bent uh, so just really stoked that you're listening and you can take some of this information and use it and uh, pretty stoked as well that you've got a game coming up your first session and uh, I just wish you all the best for that um, and uh, I know D&D and playing games is just bringing so much uh, joy to my life and I uh, hope it does the same for you that's what I've been thinking about talking to you guys about is just how important fun is in life uh, I'm 40, I've got four kids, I've got a full-time job, uh, there's lots to do and lots to uh, be responsible for in my life and um, a couple of years ago after moving to a new city I just realized how much I missed um, playing games and having a laugh and having some fun and uh, also spending time with people of like mind and so pulling together uh, a group to play D&D &D every Friday night has just been a real joy, joy to me. So a big shout out 
um, to everybody that comes around to my house every every Friday night. It is a shifting um, group, but there are some people that come almost every time. And uh, so I don't want to say everyone's names because I know I'll, I'll end up missing out somebody. Um, but the joy that I get from hanging out with them and eating the extra spicy chips they bring um, and uh, just talking and laughing and punning and doing all of those side activities that are part of um, sitting around and, and enjoying each other just so valuable to me and after a, a week of working and stressing and and uh, doing all that adult stuff to being able to decompress on a Friday night and play some games is super important um, to me and something I don't really want to give up um, and so I just fully endorse it and recommend it to everyone as purely as a um, a source of stress relief and uh, fun and relaxation in your life and uh, that time spent um, with people in real life. Now I've got nothing against uh, everybody who's playing a whole lot of D&D um, on the internet, um, not really knowing or meeting the people uh, they're playing with, although you know that's subjective because we're sure you get to know them over time, uh, but there's something really nice about sitting in the same physical space as other people, looking at them, um, you know, seeing their eyes and their mouth, you know, there's all that body language uh, that goes on in communication and all that goodwill that's stored up between you and having fun and uh, camaraderie uh, is just so great in, in real life. And so again, I got to say thanks so much uh, to all the players that come to my place. Um, on a Friday night. I really appreciate you all and I really enjoy uh, your company. I don't know if any of them actually listen to this podcast, uh, but maybe some of them do. And if you do, you better call in um, and tell me how much of a good DM I am. Anywho, um, I've got another call in. Hello, Mr. Cormac. Spike Pit here. Been listening to your episodes on Spotify. And I've got to say, mate, I take my hat off to you. I think you've got some great content on there. I am surely, surely going to be checking out your blog. I particularly enjoyed your recent episode talking about regional gazettas. And, yeah, hex crawls, I think they're awesome. Just keep up the good work. I look forward to hearing what you've got coming in the future. Thank you, Colin, for your call-in and your support and encouragement on the con content that I am uh, producing. Really appreciate it. I have listened to some of your podcast, and it's been really interesting to see that uh, you follow a little bit of ICRPG. Hankering for an Owl uh, is a great producer of uh, content, and he's got some amazing contributions to the RPG hobby. And uh, so it's really pretty cool to know that he's being influential uh, in more segments of the OSR than what I was aware of. And uh, I just also thank you for your great contribution to the OSR Anchorites and uh, through your podcasting and your support of everyone else's podcasts. While I'm on the topic of ICRPG, um, I'm continually reminded how important some of those um, contributions that Hankerin has made to the hobby are 
and there's a couple of concepts that I just want to reiter reiterate of his and before I do that I'm going to say hey if you like what I'm about to say go to YouTube and search for Runehammer uh, or go to Drive Through RPG and search for Runehammer Games and you're going to come up with some content about ICRPG um, which is a great stripped down D20 role playing um, system um, but more important than the system is some of the key elements and one of them is the idea of a room DC so in ICRPG when you're in one space or doing one activity uh, say you're in um, one room of a dungeon there's one DC for the whole room everything you want to achieve in that room you roll against one DC so it could be say DC 12 so the, the fighter says I want to kick down the door well give me a DC 12 strength um, strength check and then the wizard is like I uh, want to try and uh, decode the runes on the wall to figure out what's going on there well please give me a DC 12 arcana check and the thief is like I search for secret doors in this wall well please give me a DC 12 investigation check so it makes it so simple and so easy to um, call for, for uh, skill checks and one thing that I don't think people get about the DC is it's not just about the difficulty of the task um, but it's about the environment and the atmosphere and all the other things that are going on in that space so for example in the Dungeon Master's Guide it talks about a DC 5 for very easy tasks DC 10 for moderately difficult tasks or not even moderately difficult you know DC 15 for something that's a little bit more tricky and then DC 20 for something that's really hard but what it doesn't really so that's just thinking about the mechanical nature of what the players are trying to achieve uh, so it may be relatively easy to to walk across a plank um, over a pit so maybe that is only a DC 5 um, dexterity acrobatics check but you stick poison spikes at the bottom of the pit um, and some goblins that are shooting arrows at you um, while you try and balance your way across the pit and suddenly maybe it's a DC 12 um, dexterity acrobatics check so I really think that the um, room DC or in my case I'm starting to move to a whole region DC uh, so that no matter what the characters are trying to achieve um, if I know that they're in the mountains uh, which is a difficult place that's full of danger and even if you're not confronted right that moment by a giant stepping out from a beholder uh, from behind a boulder it's always a possibility so everything you're trying to do in that region is with the thought that you've got to kind of keep one eye um, over your shoulder looking out for trouble behind you so it makes everything more difficult so maybe everything you want to do in the mountainous region is going to be DC 15 no matter how simple it might appear like you know the character says the wizard wants to uh, read the spell book that he's found and decipher it well you know he's it should be a simple task if he was sitting um, in his castle in front of the fire um, propped up in his armchair uh, with a warm blanket draped over his legs and a couple of extra candles to provide light but you know when you're in the mountains um, and you're sitting 
uh, by the fireside in the open with the darkness uh, and, you know, all around and strange noises around you uh, and the ever-present threat of giants jumping out to try and eat you. Hey, it's a DC-15 um, Arcana check, Mr. Wizard, to try and achieve what you want to do. So just super um, impressed with the idea of a room DC or a region DC. And there's a couple of other amazing contributions and you really have to go and check out what um, Hankerin has to say at Runehammer, but the idea of timer timers um, is just fantastic. And there's actually a couple more other ones that are just so great, but all of the um, all the mad props belong to Hankerin at Runehammer Games. So go and check out um, his YouTube channel and his products. Well, that's me for this morning. I uh, just want to remind you that if you want to access any of my content, just look at the notes um, for this episode and there'll be a link to my Google Drive where you can just download and or view um, some of the tables and some of the other resources that I create for the use at, at my table. Um, that's probably the easiest way. I have got a blog, but basically I'm too lazy to do anything with it, so don't bother going over there because I don't keep it updated. Um, but I will keep chucking um, new gazetteers and new carousing tables as I create them into my Google Drive where you can access them. Uh, I actually got really motivated by the game um, that my fellow DM has been running for us on Friday nights over the last few weeks. And I just started making a new gazetteer and some, um, I'm going to start a few extra um, tables and stuff like that because I'm just so motivated by one, some of the cool stuff he introduced. Uh, so go and check it out, have a great time, especially Riley, um, just have an awesome time playing with your friends in a day or two, and remember it is really about fun and friendship, so don't get too hung up on going crazy on your preparation or being perfect in your uh, presentation of what's happening on the night, just get in there, have a laugh and enjoy yourself. Good morning everybody, it's your Friday night DM, Shay Cormack and uh, I'm creating this podcast as I go for a walk next to the ocean this morning um, in my hometown. It's a beautiful day, the ocean is still, um, and we're looking forward to a bright and sunny day, so I'm a, full of optimism. And I, it's Friday, so tonight uh, my friends are coming over to play Dungeons and & Dragons, and in fact, um, one of our players who's just started DMing is gonna bring a game for us to play and he's going to be running um, Lone Wolf, I believe, is what he's running. I constantly get confused and think it's some kind of werewolf game, and I'm always referring it to it as that, and he's constantly correcting me and reminding me that, no, no, it's just a normal uh, fantasy uh, genre role-playing game, so we're really looking forward to playing that tonight. Um, and I'm just starting this podcast to, to reply to a couple of... Um, messages that I've got and uh, talk about some of the things I'm excited about um, in creating my role-playing game for my friends. So I'm going to start off by playing a message from Riley. Hey Shay, Riley here again. Um, I'm running a game called Forbidden Lands by Free League, which is, they use a D6 uh, dice pool system. So I like all the tables that use D6s. Um, so your D12 monster, wandering monster table um, I can use D66 or 2D6 for that. But what I've been doing is using 3D6 um, so that 
like 3 and 18 are really rare and the center numbers are more common and I find that useful because if the area is going to have some rare monster like an ant in this game um, that can be on one of the high or low ends and then like bandits in the center so your option for a d12 gives more monster options mine only gives me seven but I have the option of changing the chance of what comes up so I don't know just wondering how yours goes having like a manticore being as common as bandits good morning oh great message Riley thanks for calling in um, there must be a little bit of confusion because my wandering monster table is actually 2d6 so I do have that kind of bell curve of probability um, that you're talking about with yours and so that's how I deal with it so you know I have unlikely encounters um, on 2 and 12 so normally in my tables the 2 is a really good encounter like maybe you get to meet the magical tattooist uh, who for a fee will um, put a tattoo on your body allowing you to have a one a day cast of a cantrip or a first level spell. Um, 12 might be the Chimera uh, that swoops from the sky and kills half the party with his breath weapon in the first, uh, first round of combat. So I do have um, that bell curve going on. Uh, but your message really excited me and got me thinking about um, expanding my tables and using more dice and combining uh, what you said with a little bit of what uh, I think the author of uh, the creator of a podcast called Deep Percentile. I'm going to in the um, in the notes of this episode put a link to his podcast and get his name right and the name of his, po his podcast right. Um, but I was listening to him the other day about uh, random tables and about using um, random tables where you roll your whole fistful of dice. So you roll your D4, your D6, your D8, your D10, 12, and 20, and they, each of those dice is for a different table. Um, and so then you can get this amazing uh, depth of possibilities in your rolling. And so I've been, been thinking about that uh, and thinking about my wandering monster tables and all the other various tables I use. And I thought, I want to start using more and more variety in my dice um, because I already use a variety of tables, D12, D6, 2D6, D4s. I use a whole variety of dice because I want to use all my dice. I've got seven of them, so why not use them? Um, and I just started writing my new carousing table uh, for shipboard carousing when my party are on a boat. And I thought, you know, on a boat, it's all about gambling. They probably have lots of dice games. I'm going to do a table for carousing that uses four D4. And I'm just really excited about, about the idea, just even the aesthetic of rolling 44 and having these four little pyramids um, on the table in front of you. You know, there's kind of like that element of they look sharp and pointy, they roll funny. It's a crazy, you never get asked to roll 44. I can't think of any other situation where you're asked to roll that, that handful of dice. No one really has 44 unless, you know, because it's not like a dice, like a D6 where everyone collects heaps and heaps of them. Uh, so people will be scrambling around looking for enough dice to roll. And you come up with some funny results. And one of the exciting things, like you said, about using um, multiple dice is you get that bell curve. So when you roll 44, the chance of rolling one on all the dice 
is really low. And so it means I can put something really extreme in the carousing table for really rolling really low or really high. So my favorite one that I created was uh, on a four. So getting four ones, you get a black mark. And I don't know if anyone's remembers uh, books like Treasure Island or any other kind of pirate um, lore is when you get given a black mark, it means you're going to be killed. There's like, everybody's out to kill you. You don't know when an assassin's going to turn up and end your life. And if you get that result on my carousing table, from then on, at the end of every session, including the one you're, you're playing right now, you have to roll 44. And if you get another result of four ones, you're dead. An assassin has somehow uh, crept up on you and killed you in some way, and that's the end of your character. And uh, I think it's pretty cool that you can use these probabilities to make such outlandish and improbable things that if that actually happens to one of my players, I think they'll be the most amazing thing ever. I'll be so happy if they die that way by rolling four ones and then at another session rolling another four ones and just randomly dying out of, out of uh, totally out of the blue. But I don't think the player will, con will be complaining about it too much because the chance of rolling four ones on 44 and then in another roll, rolling the same roll, is so so tiny um, that I think you'd find it hard to complain about that. But let's wait and see if it happens, and then to see whether the players complain about it or not. Uh, I'm just excited about um, your comment about using 3D6 as well, and I was just thinking about the way I use uh, 2D6 to determine uh, the terrain, or tactical terrain of uh, an encounter, and counting things like doubles, um, and, 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 and total, the total, not only the total that you roll on the dice, but also whether this uh, or any individual numbers uh, create specific things. But the interesting thing is, when I started thinking about doing 3D6, you could have very rare occurrences like, what if you get triple six, or any triple um, on the roll, you can have some really unlikely um, terrain um, events or uh, atmospheric events or just really weird stuff that can turn up on these crazily unlikely rolls um, and you can make some really interesting stuff so uh, making tables um, is one of the most fun things about running a hex crawl and about just creating things through tables uh, and through likelihood um, and then just waiting to see what happens in the game it's all good so my one recommendation to you is don't get stuck on the idea of you only can use D6 because the game uh, you're playing relies mainly on D6. Get all your other dice out and uh, give them a burl as well, mate. Cheers. I've got another special uh, call-in to play for you guys now. The famous Jason Hobbs uh, from Hobbs and Friends, Hex Talk and Random Screed has finally uh, sent me a call-in. Big thanks, uh, Jason. I'd like to play your message right now. Hey, Shay. <clears throat> Jason Hobbs from Random Screed here. I've been meaning to call in, but it's uh just hadn't happened. So I caught your latest episode where Riley called in, and that has to be a wonderful feeling, knowing that uh, someone took your information and turned that into an actual game, and now is doing some fun and friendship and fellowship with his own group. So keep paying it forward, man. It's great to hear from you. Good job on the show. Keep it up. Thanks, Jason. Really is special getting a call in from you. And it is all about paying it forward because in reality, 
um, the ideas Riley got off me to use in his game were ideas I got off you to use in my game. Uh, so it's a constant process of in inspiring and stealing um, ideas and information and uh, inspiration from each other. So thanks so much, mate. Hey, um, another thing I'm excited about with my latest carousing table for my players carousing on a boat is I have included um, a version of poker for everyone to play as well. So you might appreciate this, Jason, since you're an avid poker player. And also, uh, if you want to check out the file that goes along with this, uh, just check in my um, the notes of this episode and you'll find a link to my Google Drive where you can have a look at this carousing table. So not only do my players roll 44 on a carousing table at the end of a session where they're on this uh, vessel, but also I deal them a hand of cards. Just five cards out of a normal 52 card deck, so it's a very primitive version of poker that they play. Um, and then they get a payout depending on what they've got. So uh, it gets pretty crazy. If you get a royal flush, um, they're going to receive 1.5 million platinum pieces, uh, which is a stupidly staggering amount of money. But if someone can get a royal flush when I deal them five random cards from a deck of 52, the chance of that occurring is something like 0.00015. It's just ridiculously unlikely. So, but it'd be pretty funny if someone hits that and uh, becomes instantly wealthier than than a king or a queen in Dungeons Dragons. I don't know how a king would have. Anywho, um, it goes down through the list of uh, possible poker hands all the way down to uh, getting three of a kind, in which case you'd get uh, 10 platinum pieces times the face value of the card, you've, uh, the card that you've got three of a kind of and stuff like that. And a full house is 2,000 gold pieces. A four, four of a kind is a thousand and platinum pieces and you can actually lose some money if you've just got a high card you lose uh, that face value of that card times 10 silver so it's going to be a pretty cool mechanic because when the players carouse it's a given that they're going to be um, gambling on the ship so they'll get a, a hand of cards dealt out to them so they might get some money out of that but also they roll on the carousing table um, to see what happens and just to mention another really cool entry on the carousing table, um, getting a 16, so rolling four fours on your D44s, is uh, you win the title, the deed and title to the ship, and by default gain the captaincy. And the ship is worth 17,500 gold pieces, but being the captain gives you a plus four to your charisma stat while you're on board the ship. And uh, when you're off, off the boat, but still in possession of the ship, you get a plus two to your charisma stat. So I thought that was a pretty fun one as well. Some really good stuff can happen um, and some not so good stuff. In fact, I've got to mention one other that I'm really pleased with. A 15 on this table, the result is you win a treasure map in the game of chance. And if your character skips the next 1d6 sessions and instead you play a level one character, namely the cabin boy, then you can roll on the treasure hoard CR 11 to 16 and get all of the treasure for yourself. So your like your character goes off on a little side quest uh, to go and find this buried treasure, and they come back 1d6 sessions later with a massive haul of, uh, of cool stuff. So I'm really looking forward to people playing that. Thanks again, Jason, for calling in, mate. Uh, and uh, nearly finished this episode, guys. I might just add a little bit tomorrow morning after we play our session tonight. Cheers, guys. Bye. Well, guys, I decided to change my mind and not do any more to this episode. 
I think I might do another episode tomorrow morning after we've played D&D tonight and uh, maybe make it a review of the first session I play of Lone Wolf. So thank you so much for everyone who's listening and uh, please keep coming back and um, making call-ins and stuff like that. It's really fun doing this. Thank you very much. Bye.